You're listening to the City Hope Church podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. Well, good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing? Man, good. Hey, can we just one more time give God some praise? Can we just, man, he is awesome. And, uh, you know, I, whoo, man, it is, it is exciting to be here. I'm excited for what God is going to do uh, in this place. I, uh, I want to also, before I even get started, just uh, give honor to the worship team. Um, they set the tone for everything we do. Um, and our worship team, we church, we are blessed to have such a phenomenal uh, and talented worship team. Um, every single person that's on this worship team has a passion for worship, and I am I'm so thankful for everybody on the stage, everybody who sings. To uh, I just thank you guys. Um, I also want to give honor to our pastor, uh, Pastor Noah. Um, we have an amazing pastor. Uh, don't we? We can give that a hand clap, yeah. But. Um, no, I've got to spend a lot of time with you over the last uh, two weeks, uh, and I, I've truly got to see your heart for what we do, um, and I just thank you for not only just being an amazing pastor, an amazing leader, but an amazing friend, uh, and I just want to let you know, like, the most sincere uh, way I could say is just, man, I love you, and thank you for, again, just giving me another opportunity. Uh, I don't take this lightly. Um, I'm excited for what God has given me tonight. Um, before we even get started, though, uh, Happy New Year again, everybody. Uh, this is the first, first Wednesday of the year. Um, and if you made it here Sunday and made it here again tonight, guess what? You still have perfect church attendance, everybody. Congratulations to you. Um, but I want to ask you as we get started, how many of you are happy to be in a new year? A couple of us? Yeah. How many of you are happy because 2022 is over? Anybody? Now, a couple of us, how many of you are happy because, you know, you want to see God continue to bless you throughout 2023 like he did 2022? So my, my 2022, um, I'll just be very honest, it was incredible. Um, Pastor Noah said at the beginning of 2022 that um, 2022 can be your best year if it's your best year spiritually. And I like to poke fun at him a lot for saying that. But I have to be completely honest with you. He's exactly right. Um, 2022 was the best year I have ever had spiritually. And I believe in my obedience to God and my time with God, I believe God blessed me through that. Um, and I have a list of just things that happened throughout 2022 that um, as we get started, I just kind of want to give God praise. Um, at the beginning of 2022, actually, we're coming up on a year, uh, me and Courtney got engaged. Um, so that's awesome. Not too long after that, I was able to leave a, a very toxic job, a job that was not good uh, for my mental and emotional health. Um, so I, I was able to leave a job and pursue what I'm passionate about in ministry. Fast forward a couple months down the road, I was able to pursue ministry full time. Uh, and God, I, I love what God's been doing there. Uh, me and Courtney were able to get married in July. Um, there was even a, a brief point in 2022 where I was a multimillionaire. So I'm not joking, y'all. I actually, I have proof. That's my bank account. And let me explain the story. I'm no longer a millionaire. This lasted 30 minutes. Let me tell you, let me tell you what happened. 
So this, uh, this Wednesday morning, or it was right before Easter, I went to um, Murfreesboro Middle School to preach a message uh, to their uh, friends in Christ or their uh, fellowship of Christian, Christian athletes. And I get there, and I preach, and uh, money's tight. You know, I, I just left a job um, that I was making really good money, and I went somewhere uh, that, you know, just to get me out of the toxic job, I went somewhere to kind of just have fun for a little bit but while I was kind of in waiting. Um, and so I went to preach at this, this junior high, and as I'm leaving, I was like, you know what? I really want a Hardy's biscuit. I'm going to check my bank account and see if I have money in there. And I checked my bank account, and to my amazement, <laughs> I see $5,035,000, yeah, about $5 million in my account. First thing I do, I call my mom. I'm like, Mom, something's up. Something happened. I don't know what's, what's going on. Courtney was living in Knoxville at the time. So I screenshot it. I sent it to her. And I'm just like, what is going on? And so um, I, I won't lie to you. There was a moment of brief, like, I could probably get away with this. They probably have no idea. And uh, I'm here to tell you that I'm not in jail today because I, I called the bank when they opened. I just said, hey, um, Although I would love to say this is my money, it's not. Uh, and looking back, I wish I would have said, like, hey, you know, I could have just taken this, so I deserve a reward. Um, and I believe uh, Josh, when I sent this to the group chat later that day, Josh said I should sue for emotional damage. Uh, so, so, yeah, so that actually happened. That's real. Um, so uh, I, I have this joke of I reached a whole new uh, level of people I can reach because I had money for 30 minutes. Um, so yeah, so, but seriously, 2022, um, God was awesome. Uh, and I'm so thankful for what, for what he's done. And I believe he's going to do the same thing in 2023. Um, I believe God's just getting started. Um, not just in my life, but I'll just say this in general. I believe God's just getting started here at City Hope Church. And so I want to share with you something tonight that, um, I'll be completely honest with you. I had a completely different message going into tonight. Um, I had a message, and it was talking about there's a difference between hearing the voice of God and listening to the voice of God, and uh, I, I can't wait to share that message with you. Um, but the funny thing about life is things don't always go to plan. And so on, on uh, Monday, I'm at my mom's, and I'm getting everything ready, and um, I just felt like I needed to preach something different. Um, so I'm excited for God, what I'm going to get ready to share with you. Um, and so, like I just said, life doesn't always go to plan. How many of you like to plan things? Anybody a planner? So as I've told you before, I am a planner. I love planning trips, vacations, meals. Um, yeah, meals. Um, really anything, events. I love planning. The thing about planning is things don't always go the way you imagined, the way you pictured. You know, you could have a foolproof plan Everything goes smooth, and you could even have things like, if this fails, and this will back it up. But life just always finds a way of making things not go the way you pictured. And to be honest with you, going into 2023, um, I had a way, I had, a, I had an idea of the way I wanted things to work. Um, and we're four days in, and can I tell you that um, things aren't going to plan, and so Monday night, I'm at my mom's, we're having dinner, and, uh, it's, and Monday nights are, are awesome for me and my family, because um, it's just a time for us to just refuel um, and, and just connect and kind of get back 
reset for the week, I'll say. And so we're sitting at dinner with my mom, and I, I ta- I'm talking to uh, my mom and to Courtney, and I just tell them, like, this isn't what I pictured. This isn't what I had planned for the year, because life doesn't always go the way we want it to. Tonight, I want to talk to you. Oh, I just skipped ahead. It's okay. This isn't what I pictured. And we're going to pick up here in Exodus chapter 13, but we're going to talk about this isn't what I pictured. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Exodus chapter 13. And we're going to pick up in verse 17. I'm going to give you a little backstory here. Um, the Israelites have been in captivity uh, for years in Egypt. They were slaves to a guy named Pharaoh. And there's a guy named Moses, and Moses is, um, he, he grew up in Egypt. Um, there's a lot that happened in Egypt. Uh, basically, Moses, he was born. His mom, I, I, the way I picture this is the DreamWorks movie, Prince of Egypt. So I picture that the mom puts him in this little basket and ships him across the Nile River, and there's crocodiles and all these different animals, and there's danger. But he ends up at, at Pharaoh's house, and Pharaoh's daughter sees Moses and, and basically adopts Moses. And so Moses does this whole thing where he, uh, he grows up under Pharaoh's household. And so finally Moses leaves Egypt. A lot happens in this time, but Moses leaves Egypt. And, and as he's away, he's thinking, I'm never going back to Egypt. It's never going to happen. Well, God had other plans. So God shows up. Uh, Moses is tending sheep at this time. And as Moses is tending sheep, um, a bush catches on fire. And if you were me, I'd be like, oh, I'd probably pee myself. Uh, and so this bush catches on fire. And, and a voice of God rang down from the heavens and says, Moses, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. And uh, we'll kind of get into this more later. But God tells Moses that you're going to go back to the place you thought you were done with. Uh, even though you had different plans, Moses, my plans are better for you. And this is where we pick up in Exodus chapter uh, 13, verse 17. Uh, finally, Pharaoh let the Israelites go. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Next verse, so God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. As we get started in talking about this lesson tonight, really this whole lesson is talking about trusting God in the process. And as we get started talking about trusting God, I think we should first cover some things that we should know about God. And and church, there is a number of interesting characteristics that we can use to describe God and who he is and the character of God. For the purpose of our time together, one that is extremely important, but also extremely unsettling, especially if you're a planner like me, is this right here, is that God is unpredictable. Now hear me out. I'm not saying that that don't go home and tell everybody that Pastor Tyler said, God is crazy. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying here is that there is not any inconsistency in the character of God. God is consistently consistent. He's reliably reliable. He is what scripture calls immutable. He is unchanging yesterday, today, and forever. And for many of us, the only reason we are sitting here today is because of the never-changingness of God. He's unpredictable. I'm not saying his character is inconsistent, but I am saying there's unpredictability in his activity. In other words, we can predict who God will be, but we cannot accurately anticipate what God will do. We see all throughout the New Testament 
of, of Jesus doing these different healings um, or who are in a situation or dilemma, and Jesus responds immediately. But we also see stories in Scripture, like the story of Lazarus, where Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick and that, he's, that he eventually died. And we, we see that Jesus, instead of responding immediately, he stops and he waits four days. Why four days, you might ask? Well, the Sadducees at the time believed that uh, a spirit of a man did not leave a body until after three days. So when Jesus showed up on the fourth day and he resurrected Lazarus, there was no choice but to believe that what Jesus just did was a miracle. We, we, we can predict who God will be, but we'll never understand or never be able to predict how he will respond or how he will do. We can predict who God will be, but we cannot predict what he'll do. We see instances where people were healed by Jesus by touching them, where Jesus would touch them. But then we see instances where people were healed by Jesus by touching the him of him. So Jesus is, is healing all these people in, in different ways. And then we see instances uh, where, where Jesus spoke a word and people were healed and we see instances where Jesus got down in the dirt, spit in the mud, or spit in the dirt, made mud, put mud on somebody's eyes, and healed them of being blind. And we can go even further where, where God's doing these healings through Jesus, but we can see here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 7 through 9, Paul is writing here, because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Uh, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul is saying, God, there's this thing. I want you to remove it. And what does God do and say? He says, no, I'm going to keep it. And Paul would be saying, like, God, things have never been worse. But God, be saying, but God would respond like, yeah, but Paul, spiritually, things have never been better. God, I'm in so much pain. I've never seen you pray this much, Paul. You see, sometimes the way God responds isn't immediately. And sometimes I think so often we go into these moments that we just pray to God, God, remove this from me. We don't realize that the goodness of God, that, his, that sometimes he won't remove things from you. Instead, he'll give you power to endure it. He'll give you grace to endure it. There is no inconsistency in his character, but there is unpredictability in his activity. So I tell you all this to tell you this coming up. Life is going to be full of surprises and things that we're not prepared for. That means that the course and the quality of our lives will be determined by our ability to handle what we didn't see coming. And I know this is unnerving and it's unsettling for those of you who are like me who like to plan. That, that I'm saying here that in order to, to see how good your Christian walk is, is to be able to see how well you react to things you didn't prepare for. That's hard for me to hear. As a planner, as someone who likes to know the course of life, there are times where at the first of the month where I get a paycheck and me and Courtney are good for about a week and then we get further into the month and it's just like, God, I don't know what you're doing. God, it's, it's funny to me that beginning of the month we have money and we have no bills coming out, then all of a sudden we have no money because things came up that we didn't expect. And there will be times where I'll turn to Courtney and I'm just stressing out, just like, I don't know how we're going to do this, how we're going to do this. And I love what Courtney does. She's like, God's faithful. He'll always get us through. And she's right. So why do I fear? It's because we're human. So I, I know that, that this is an unnerving concept, concept that God is unpredictable. But there's another thing of God is that God is the God of disruption. If you want to be used by God, you must be willing to be disrupted. 
If we look at the story of Moses, as I told you, he's just minding his own business. He's tending his sheep. And then God shows up and says, Moses, I know you had other plans for your life, but I'm going to take over here. And you're going to do this. You're going to go back to Egypt, the place that you never thought you would go back to. And you're going to set the Israelites free from captivity. God is the God of disruption. And, excuse me, people who live well, people who want to be used by God, must be willing to relinquish something that many of us in our culture, uh, we, we want and we're holding on to and we're addicted to, and that is control. Now I know what you're thinking. Pastor Tyler, we just spent like five weeks in December talking about letting go of things, and one of those is control. But I believe God's trying to send us a message at the beginning of the year to let go of your plans, to trust God. You know, it's easy for us to, to say, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to give you everything. But when it actually comes to doing it, we're kind of like, ah, I don't know. I'm not ready. God, I have all these plans in life. I have all these things I want to do. But in order to live a life, in order to be used, in order to be called by God, to be used by God, you have to be willing to be disrupted. And what happens when we take control? You know what's really funny about us taking control? We're trying to relinquish something that's never really ours to begin with. See, because control is, is what I like to call God weight. It's not ours in the first place. It's not meant for us to carry. So why are we trying to let go of something? Why, why are we holding on to something that's not even ours to have? Because control is reserved for God. Whew, I got way off my notes there. So here's my question for you tonight. My, this is the question that I'm just going to be asked throughout the night tonight. And it's this question here. Do you only trust God with your past or do you trust him with your future? I want to say that again. Do you only trust God with your past or do you trust him with your future? If you trust God with your future, you must be willing to do what Moses and the Israelites do here in this text we just read. This text teaches us how to manage this, these surprise seasons, these things we didn't see coming, these things that we didn't picture. It offers us some insight on how to handle things that we didn't see coming. This passage of Scripture shows us the exodus, the leaving of the Israelites from captivity into Egypt. But it goes further than that. It shows that we can look at God's promises and get a sense of where he's taking us. But the text teaches us that we might be surprised along the way. You see, the text is God's fulfillment of a promise that God made to Moses in private. God tells Moses in private that he's sending him back to Egypt and going to tell Pharaoh to let my people go, and that Moses is going to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And God tells Moses, I'm going to use you to take my, take my people from Egypt to the promised land. I'm trying to say, I'm trying to get the picture here. There's only two destinations here, Egypt and the promised land. Got it? We're good. So, and then as Pharaoh is letting the Israelites go, we see in verse 17 that when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. And if I was Moses here, and, and I know God's called me from, to, to set the Israelites free, to take them to the promised land, and you know the route shorter to go through Philistine country. If I was Moses, I'd be like, hold on, God, time out. God, I know that this is the shortest route. I know this is where we're supposed to go. You said that I was going, to uh, going from Egypt to the promised land. You didn't say anything about taking this roundabout route. 
The assumption is that when God calls us and gives us a promise, that's a direct path to the promise. And if I could just be honest with you, when I was, when I was 16 and felt this call to ministry, I thought it'd be like immediate. And so many times when we're called by God, when many of us are given a, a call by God, we think it's an immediate promotion. Can I tell you, that's not the case. If it was immediate promotion, I think a lot of churches would have gone under by now. I'm just going to be honest. If I was the 16-year-old, knowing who I was when I was 16, if I would have been promoted to the position that I was called for, there would not be a youth program at the church that I was at today. I'll be honest with you because it's, it's really funny. I had no idea what I was doing then. And to be honest with you, I still don't know what I'm doing now. But I know that, that God is leading me along the way and that I know God's hands on me now. And I look back on that time when I was 16 and just be like, man, thank God I was not in charge. And that brings me to this point here. As we continue reading this passage of scripture, uh, we see that that, that route was shorter uh, and they can't go that way because God, what God says here, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Now, I want you to listen to me, church. God knows what battles we are not ready to fight. God says, I could take you that way. I could take you the short way. But if I take you that way, you're going to be exposed to some things that might set you back. It's going to expose you to some, to some things that you're not quite ready for, that you're not developed for yet, and it's going to set you back. And while the Israelites, it was going to set them back mentally for us, or physically it set them back for us, it would be spiritually. And God knows the battles we are not ready for. And there's an author named Mark Batterson, and he says something like this, there's a backside to every blessing. I'm going to say that again. There's a backside to every blessing. The Israelites were ready to get out of Egypt, but they were not ready for the adversity that would come with the short route. God knows it's shorter, and he knows the adversity that comes with it. And while we might be ready for the promise, some of you in this room have received a promise from God, and you're probably sitting here like, I'm ready, God, I'm ready. What you're not ready for is the backside of the blessing. We're only focused on where we're going, but God knows the adversity you will face. And while we may want to take the shortcut, we have to understand that there is a backside to every blessing. Luke 12, 48 says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. I want to tell you that God is not holding you up. He's not keeping you where you're at because you're not ready for the promise. He's holding you up because you may not be ready for the backside. He's not holding you back because he's not ready. He's not going to give you the promise. He's holding you back because he wants you to be mature enough to maintain it. You may be in this room and you're thinking that the reason you're not married or the reason you're not pregnant, the reason your kids are far from God or the reason your job stinks, your financial standing is a mess. You may be thinking that all these things is God denying you of these things. I'm here to tell you today that's not the case. It's not a denial. It's a delay. In fact, I want to say it like this. It's not a denial, but it's a divine delay. God knows how to put you in the right place at the right time. You know you can be ready for the promotion, but not ready for the pressure. You know you can be ready for, for the responsibility, but not ready for everybody not liking you. And God wants to make sure that your heart is as good as your gift. He wants to make sure that your soul is as good as the gift that he's given you. Because if, you, if you're not, uh, excuse me, I'm getting excited. <laughs> because if not, your gift will lead you to places you're not ready for. Think about the story of King David. King David was anointing as a, as a young teenager. He's anointed as king. He didn't go straight from promise to palace. 
he had this whole waiting period. Can you imagine a 13-year-old, 14-year-old kid running a country? It'd probably be really, really bad. It would not be a good time. There's a, there's a quote from the office. I, I, have to, I have to say it here. There's a quote in the office where, where Michael Scott sitting in the office chair. He's like, if a baby were president, there'd be no war. There'd be no, no, no drama. And then he starts thinking about it. He's like, it actually, it actually would make a better screenplay. They actually just cut this out. That'd be awful. And so anyway, <laughs> way off my notes, but I'm here to tell you that, that um, if you're not ready, uh, if, if your gift will take you to a place that you're not ready for, if you, if you jump ahead in timing, a blessing can feel like a curse if you're not ready for it. I want to go back to verse 18 here. And verse 18 says that God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Ready for battle. And I, I find it really interesting here that there's a couple different translations. One says wilderness, one says desert. But this destination is not a destination that was in the conversation. We look back at the conversation between God and Moses, and Moses with Israel, there's no mention of the wilderness. Again, it was, it was Egypt and the promised land. No mention of the wilderness, no mention of the desert. And what I believe that means is that God intentionally withheld information from Israel until they were out of Egypt. I believe what that means is, is God intentionally withheld information until the Israelites were too far gone where they couldn't turn back. I want to ask you today, how many times have you, been, have you received a promise from God and he given you the destination and as you're going along this journey, you feel like it's too hard. It's too hard to keep going. But it's also, too, you're too far along to turn back. If, if I, I believe it like this. If we knew, if we would have known the beginning, what we would have to go through, I don't think many of us would have started our walk with God. If I would have known, I'll just make it really simple. I'll just relate to you for a second. If I would have known that 16 years old, being called to ministry, that I was going to go through some of the most emotionally hurtful things a person could go through, if I would have known that I would have been married by 19, divorced by 21, if I would have known that I'd be addicted to alcohol like my father, if I would have known that, that I would have struggled with all these different things, if I would have known that as, I, as I'm going through this time of, of the waiting period, of the call to the promise, if I would have known that I would have been passed over for many jobs, if I would have known that I would have been stuck just being looked over, being skipped over, if I would have known all this leading into it, I don't think I ever would have stepped foot in the call of God. And I believe that's the same thing for us. I believe that if we would have known everything we'd have to go through, I don't think any of us would be able to take that first step of faith and saying, God, I trust you. So when I read this text and I first saw that they would have to go through the wilderness, I thought, oh, the wilderness is a bad thing. The wilderness is a place where you do not want to be. But now that I'm older, now that I've been through some things, I'm realizing that the wilderness is necessary. And hear me, church, the wilderness is only negative if you stay there longer than you're supposed to be. The wilderness represents what we didn't picture, what we didn't see coming. And so I want to talk to you, kind of these last two points with you about the wilderness. The wilderness is a place of preparation. It's preparation that God keeps us uninformed about. And I heard it like this. God is the only person to take you to school and you have no idea you're in class. 
you don't realize that you're in a place of preparation until it's over with. I remember, um, I'm just going to be very transparent with you. Um, whenever I was younger, um, I, I was dating this girl, and, and she broke up with me, and I remember being so devastated. And now, like, as much as you could date as a 15-year-old with no job, no car, you didn't even live in the same town, all you could do was text the person. As much as, yeah, as much as you could date a person back in that, back in, you know, when I was a teenager, um, I was devastated. I was like, man, this is hard. And I remember, like, standing outside, because I, I was an emotional teenager, um, I would stand outside, and I would be like, why, God, why me? <laughs> and, of course, as I grew up, I realized, like, that relationship was actually going to be toxic for me, because I've seen what's happened once I've got through the situation. If I were to go back to whenever I was going through my divorce and just be like, why, God, why me? I'm realizing now that everything I went through during that time, all the loneliness, all the depression, the anxiety, the addiction, it prepared me for where I'm at today. I, I've told Courtney this a lot, that I, in fact, I told this uh, before, before we got married, we were sitting in the car driving home, and we were just kind of talking about life, and I looked at her and I said, everything I've been through, while it hurt, if it led me to where I'm at today, I wouldn't change it for the world. Because this preparation, while it's difficult, while it's a struggle, it prepares you for where God's calling you. Maybe you're sitting in here, uh, or maybe you're in a place right now where you don't understand what you're going through. You don't know why you're in the season. Well, I want to tell you that the season is a time of preparation. And I want to tell you that this is preaching to me right now. I'm in the wilderness right now. I believe the most powerful messages are the ones that speak not only to you, but to me. And I believe that, that God's working on me right now. While this situation I'm in currently is, is a struggle, while I don't know what God's doing, I know that he's preparing me for something on the other side. And I believe God's doing the same thing to you today. That while you don't know your situation, while you're in the situation, I believe God is preparing you for what's on the other side. The wilderness is a place of preparation, but also the wilderness is a place of pruning. I had to look up this word. I'm not going to lie. I was like, pruning, like prune juice? No, that's, that's not right. So pruning is actually, the definition is the removal of unwanted parts. In John 15, Jesus says that every branch that bears fruit, God's pr God prunes so that it can produce more fruit. It's interesting here that God places the Israelites in this, in this wilderness and places them in a place of, of preparation. But he isn't just preparing them, he's pruning them. He's removing some of the things that they've been carrying, things that were not meant for them to pick up. And this wilderness becomes sort of like an airport hub where like things that have traveled with you that can't go any further, they're left here at this airport hub. And sometimes God drops us in this wilderness in these situations where he gives us an opportunity to deal with some of the things that we can't take with us to the promised land. He's given us an opportunity while we're here in this, this time of preparation. He's given you opportunity to deal with some of the things that he's like, hey, you can't take this with you to what I've called you to. And I think that's why, in the story of David, why David cut off the head of Goliath after he defeated him. You see, David could have easily just knocked over Goliath and said, I did it, we're victorious. But I believe the reason that he cut off the, the Goliath's head is because sometimes we can knock the giant down thinking that the victory's ours, thinking that we won. And when we move forward into a new season, old problems can come up and follow us into this new season. 
it's not just a pruning of thing God pruning of things God wants to get off of us. It could also be pruning of individuals. Now this is really hard because what I'm meaning here is that maybe you're in the season of wilderness and you're losing friends. Maybe you're feeling like all these friends are disappearing. All these people that you thought were in your corner, they're not there anymore. This season is a time for God. God's probably telling you, hey, these friends, they're not made, they were made for a certain time, but not for what I've called you to. And that's a really, really difficult place to be. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Many of us think that, that people that are with us, they don't want to harm us that every person is there to benefit us. But can I tell you that that person, that there's a person probably in your life that's starting to fade away, that they seem like they're lifting you up and in all reality, they're tearing you down behind closed doors. You may believe that they're there to support you in your dreams and your goals, but in all reality, they're holding you back. This verse doesn't say a fool suffers harm. It says a friend of fools, a companion of fools suffers harm, which means that I don't have to be a fool to be hurt, I just have to hang out with them. Scripture says, don't be deceived because bad company corrupts good character. Could be a pruning of things, letting go, you letting go of things, letting go of people, but it also could be a pruning of attitudes. Verse 18 says that the Israelites might see war and go back to Egypt. For hundreds of years, the Israelites were slaves. All they knew was to be a slave. They were not conditioned to be warriors, to be people in battle. So they were out of Egypt, but the Egypt was not out of them. God needed to adjust their attitude so that they can see themselves properly, see themselves in his eyes. And God's telling the Israelites here that I have to get you to see the way, see yourself the way I see you. And he's telling us the same thing. This is why God spends so much time in the Bible telling us who we are and who we're created to be. That we're the head and not the tail. That we're before always and not beneath. We're blessed going in and blessed going out. And everything we put our hands to will prosper. That you're a child of God. You're a chosen generation. That's why God spends so much time telling us who we are created to be. Because he's trying to get you to see yourself the way that he sees you. He wants you to see yourself in a way that's consistent with who, you, with who you've been born to be and not who we think we are. So in this time of preparation, this time of pruning, this time of, of unknown, of time we didn't, of things we didn't see coming, of, of things that we didn't picture, I want to ask you again, do you only trust God with your past or do you trust God with your future? You know, I, I told you that when I was 16, I felt called to God. I felt called to ministry. And, and from that point on, uh, I just felt like I had life figured out. I'll be honest with you. I, I was at this youth camp. and I was like, yes, God's going to call me to ministry. And whenever I graduate high school, there's going to be a job ready for me. And then a few years after doing ministry, I'm going to get married. A few years after that, I'm going to have kids. I'm going to continue doing ministry. God's going to use me to speak all over this nation. And if I could just be very honest with you, um, God gave me a very specific vision of, I'm gonna, this, I, I say this because I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be cocky, but I remember, because God visions are scary, God visions are big, but they're things you couldn't do on your own. 
And I remember so vividly, I was sitting in my bedroom talking to one of my friends about what I feel God's called me to do. And I closed my eyes and I saw thousands of people standing in a crowd, worshiping Jesus, hearing about God's love and his joy that comes with his love. And I know God's called me to share the good news to not just Murfreesboro, to not just Southern Illinois, to this entire nation, to this entire world. So I knew at 16, God called me for great things. And so as, as I go through high school, as I was a senior in high school, I took this class my last semester of high school called Adult Living. And honestly, the class was a joke. I'll be honest with you. We went to the grocery store to buy groceries, and that was it. I remember I would show up in class. My teacher would take attendance. There'd be a slideshow of like three to four slides. We would type our answers on this little Google Doc, and that was it. Like, easiest class I ever did, but towards the end of the year, my teacher was like, hey, we have a project I want everybody to do, and it's a dream board. Now, what I want you to do is map out your life for the next 10 years. What's your, what does your life look like 10 years from now? And while my friends were all putting their colleges and, and their, you know, their, their future jobs of doctors and lawyers and teachers and all these things, mine was super simple. I had a Bible and a picture of AT&T Stadium, which is the largest stadium in the nation. And so I was, I was super, super excited. Got my work done super quickly. It was awesome. But I show up to class to present this project, and all my friends are just so detailed. I go up to present this project, and I tell them, like, God's called me to share his love to people. He's called me to ministry. I know this is what God's called me to do. I just went on for 10 minutes just talking about what I believe God's going to do. And as I'm saying this, my, my peers are looking at me, and they're just, I couldn't tell if it was shock, disbelief, but I remember looking to my left, and my teacher sitting there at her desk, and her looking at me so disgusted. And I remember her saying, Tyler, you're not going to go to college? Tyler, ministry is not something that you can do in Southern Illinois. It's not realistic. I'd love to see this teacher today and be like, ha ha, anyway, it's, it's not what Jesus called us to do. I'm not going to do that. But, but I remember sitting in that classroom and, and just being just devastated because I'm like, she's right. It's not realistic. So what I did in that moment at 16, I trusted God with my life. But afterwards, I took those plans back in my hands. It's like, you know what? This isn't realistic. It's kind of scary. I'm going to take things in my hands. I'm going to do things my way. God, I, I know you called me for great things, but I don't trust your plans for my life. I'm going to take them back. I wish I, I would have known then what I know now. I wish I wouldn't have changed my plans for God's plans. I wish I would have trusted in God. I'm thankful that God's the same God yesterday, today, and forever, and that his grace endures throughout all. I want to ask you, do you trust God with all of your life or just a portion of it? Do you trust God with everything except your finances? accept your marriage, accept your kids. Because can I tell you that partially trusting God is not trusting in him at all. 
if you have a plan B, you're not trusting in God. Instead, you're setting them up for failure. And guess what? God never fails. Do you trust him in all things? Even when things are unknown, even when things are messy, even when things aren't what you pictured, aren't what you planned, do you trust him? Whenever my life got messy, when, when things started to fall apart, whenever everything was finalized, whenever I, I left Southern Illinois for Nashville, I stood down in Nashville and I said, this is not what I pictured my life looking like. This is not what I planned. But I can tell you that in those moments of not, not believing, in those moments of, of saying, this isn't what I pictured I know God was there the entire time. And while my mess, while, while everything around me was a mess, little did I know that God was creating a masterpiece. Do you trust God? I want to leave you with this story here. There's a guy uh, by the name of Charles Blondin. And he's a, a French acrobat. He is a daredevil. He's a tightrope walker. He's one of the coolest people, like one of the most... I don't know how he did what he did. Let me tell you what he did. He would, uh, he would tightrope and do all these crazy stunts. He would set tightropes up. And one day he decided he's going to set a tightrope up across Niagara Falls. And he's going to walk across Niagara Falls back and forth. And he did. And people gathered and they watched. And they're just like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. And he would do all these different stunts. He would do backflips. He would do cartwheels. He would do all these different things. And people are just amazed. And then one day Charles decided to get a little... A little, little more creative, and he brought up a, a wheelbarrow. And he stands in front of this crowd of people, and he has his wheelbarrow, and he says, how many of you believe that I can take this wheelbarrow back and forth without falling off? And everybody's like, yeah, we believe. And he asks him, do you believe that I can do this? Yes, we believe. We've seen you do it before. We know you can do it again. And so he says, great. Who volunteers to be the first one in the wheelbarrow? Silence. Because, you know, it's one thing to believe. It's one thing to say you believe, I should say. But it's a whole thing, a whole other thing to trust in that person. It's one thing to say you believe in God and believe, as Jeremiah 29, 11 says, that he has great plans for you, plans to give you hope in the future. It's easy to believe that. But it's a whole other thing to trust God, to have faith to get in the wheelbarrow and say, I trust you, God. Do you trust God? Even when things are scary, even when things aren't what you pictured, do you trust God enough to get in the wheelbarrow? Do you trust him with your life? Can I pray for you? God, we come to you right now. And God, some of us are in this midst of this, this season of unknown, this season that we just don't know what to do. God, this season that we're in is not what we pictured. But God, right now, we are saying we trust you. And we're going to give you our life. Though it might be scary, though we, we don't know what to expect, God, we're going to put our trust in you. We're done just saying we believe. We're going to trust in you and your plan. God, I pray for those that are in here that, 
that just need a little bit more peace, a little bit more strength to get through what they're going through to help them endure them. Help them to not grow weary in doing well and uh, doing good, but instead to just give them the peace to keep going. Give them the strength to endure what they're going through. And God, for those of us that are in the midst of this situation that just want to give up, God, help us to be focused on you, to keep our eyes set on you, to keep pursuing what you've called us to, and to know that there is a blessing at the end of the struggle. In Jesus' name, with your heads bowed and eyes closed in this room, we never want you to leave without giving you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And maybe you're in this room and you're you're saying, Tyler, this sounds good. I want to believe. I want to. I want to do more than just tr- I believe God. I want to trust God with my life. I want to trust God with my future. And maybe you're in this room. You're saying, I don't know what the first step to take. The first step is to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. So if you're in this room and and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe you're in this room and you've you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, but it's been a long time since you've come back to Him, since you've had a connection with Him. Maybe this prayer is for you. So I want you to do, church, because we all believe it. Repeat after me and say, Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. And I believe that he rose from the dead. Say this to me and say, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church, can we give a hand clap for all those people who pray that prayer today?